up, everybody? Michael Nettemeyer here, and you're listening to the Witwin Podcast, whatever it takes, whenever it's needed. On this episode, Jeff King and I are talking about the importance of a database. doesn't matter what industry you're in, you need to have a database. Call it your data bank. You need to have a database. You need to have a list of people to systematically keep in touch with. That's how you're going to grow your business. So it doesn't matter, regardless of the industry, a database is vital to the success of your organization, to the success of your business, to the success of your career. Get it structured now, and what we're going to talk about is how to pull more deals from your database, how to, how to set it up, things to say, how to pluck more deals out of that database. Hope you enjoy. All right, Jeff, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. How's it going? Doing very well. Very well. Thanks for being on. So we are going to talk today about how to pull more deals from your database, correct? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So the database is one of the most important aspects of having a real estate business. We know that 10%, statistically, 10% of our database is moving every single year. So think about that. If you have 100 people in your database, that's already 10 opportunities for uh, 10 opportunities to go sell 10 homes in a year. And that's one of the things we require on our team is that before you start or when, by the time you start, you have 100 people in your database because we want to be able to systematically reach out to those 100 people. While we're doing that, we want to be adding people to it every single day through various different lead generation pillars, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. But we want to cover that, how to be adding to our database, we want to be covering the importance of our database and different lead pillars to get more people into the database to find motivated buyers and sellers. So Jeff, when you started, how many people were in your database? Uh, when I started, I mean, it was a struggle to get to a hundred for me. So I, you know, I put friends, I put family, I put as many people as I could think of. Um, and I think in the beginning, it was a matter of quantity over quality for sure. It's like get a hundred people in there. So you have people to talk to. Right. And it was just anybody and everybody that I had ever come across, you know, just going through my phone, um, picking out contacts, putting in phone numbers, uh, emails also too, if I had them. And that's kind of, as time went on, what I realized, you know, the, the leads that are in there, if I'm not talking to them on a consistent basis, they might as well not be in there at all. That's what I mean by quantity over quality is you, you definitely want to get to a hundred first, cause that's your first basically pillar of people to start with. Uh, and then make notes after you talk to those folks. And that was the biggest kind of gap, I guess, that I had missed on is I would have good conversations. I would talk to SOI, uh, but I wouldn't ever really update my SOI with notes on what they were doing or what their plans were. It was just like, oh, yeah, they're my friends. I'll talk to them later. They're family. I'll talk to them later um, and can follow up with them You know, when I think it's a good time. And what I found is that it's very, very difficult to keep track of a hundred people, no matter how well you think you may know them. Um, Because I'm sure we all have stories of friends and maybe even family that have bought a house with somebody else because we didn't follow up with them. Uh, And at the end of the day, that's on us. So in the very beginning, I started again, I hit my hundred with with SOI, um, but definitely wish I would have been more uh, proactive and keeping good notes after those conversations. Yeah, it's a huge point. Notes notes are key. And we know that the bulk of our business is coming from follow-up. So making sure we're taking good notes during those conversations is extremely important. So I want to go back to something real quick. You said you struggled to get 100 people because I think that's a common thing for a lot of people. Like, I don't know 100 people or I can't I can't think of it. So if you pull out your phone and look at your contacts, chances are you have over 100 people in there. And I think another miss a lot of people do is 
they think that people only have to live in the city that they're selling houses in, which also isn't true. Think about it. You can refer people anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. So be thinking about not just people that live here in, in like for us, live in St. Louis, but people that live in maybe you have a lot of a family in other states. Those are people you should be reaching out to as well and letting them know that you are a real estate resource for them. And you can par- you can pair them with a top agent in their area when it comes time for them to want to buy or sell a house. So it's not just people living in your city. And if you pull out your phone, chances are you have more than 100 people in there that you could add. If you look at Facebook, chances are you have more than 100 friends that you can be adding to your database. So we do a thing too. It's a, I can't remember who we took it from, but it's the memory jogger. Um, and basically what that is, is just list out every single profession for you to think about, okay, attorneys, what attorneys do I know? Um, lawn care person, what lawn care people do I know? What plumbers do I know? What electricians do I know? What, you know, just different services and keep in mind too, these are good people as well to be adding to your database that could be vendors for you and you can help them grow their business. And in, in, in parallel, they can reciprocate and help you grow your business. So who are your, what we call allied resources that can be going into your database as well, that you know run small businesses that are handymen, that are tradespeople that work in the real estate industry um, to do things on how to fix things on houses that you could be adding to your database to be in building relationships with them as well. So the first step though is get 100 people in there as quickly as possible. That's step number one. If you haven't done this, or maybe you don't even have a CRM, you need to get a CRM. You need something like me back in the day, it was note cards and an accordion file because I didn't have any money. Um, it doesn't work real well. It's, you can make it happen, but it's you're making life a lot harder. You don't need an expensive CRM. We use KB Core. It's a little bit on the pricier side. Um, at the end of the day, they're all very similar. Just pick one that works. You can find CRMs for $15, $25, $30, $50 a month. There are plenty of, of cost-effective CRMs out there that you can use. It doesn't have to be some fancy thing, especially if you're just starting out. Just get something that you can start putting people into your database. So that's step one. So Jeff, start with 100. How then, how many people do you have in your database today? Uh, Over 1,100, yeah. Over 1,100. So four years later, he has over 1,100 people in his database. And these are people that he's had conversations with. This isn't just people that we've, you know, dumped in cold call list or anything like that. These are actual people he's had conversations with. So now keep in mind, Jeff has 110 possible uh, opportunities just in his database every single year. So he could just live on, his database for the rest of his career and not worry about spending another dime on any kind of outbound lead generation sources, anything like that. All he has to do is systematically stay in touch, which we're going to talk about, systematically stay in touch with those 1,100 people in his database because we know 10% of them are moving every year. It's pretty cool if you think about it. Like potentially your your lead generation spend is now zero minus the the CRM cost, correct? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the biggest thing for me too is like, don't be picky, especially in the very beginning. I was like way too super picky on who is my SOI or who's my sphere. Oh, I haven't talked to that person in a year. They're not going to remember me, stuff like that. Don't put that mental block in place. So that's for SOI. And then for growing your database, it's the same concept. Like you just need people that will have a conversation about buying a house or selling a house at some point in the future. It doesn't have to be in the next 30, 60, 90 days. It doesn't have to even be in the next year. It can be in the next two years because you have to decide, especially when you're very new, like this is something you need to stick with. This isn't something to try out for six months and then quit or try out and say, oh, well, I didn't do good my first year and then quit. Like most people that you're talking to aren't usually ready right here, right now in front of you. So don't be super picky in the very beginning on who you're adding to your database. You just need people to have conversations with and it gets easier as time goes on. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and that's the key is that a lot of these people aren't going to do anything today and you have to be okay with that. So we know that to your point, you can't be picky. We know though, over time, all of these people are going to do something. People naturally move every seven, 10 years, something like that now. So we know that at some point in their life, they are going to be a potential sale for you. And you're the resource they should be using because you care about them the most, because you do a good job, because you take your profession serious. So don't, don't just kind of be like, oh, I'm going to call this person because they might be further along. Keep strengthening those relationships every single day with that initial 100 people that you have in your database because it's 10 easy sales right out of the gate. It's 10 potentially easy sales because oftentimes when those people are going to do something, they're going to use you. They're not going to interview anyone else. And they know other people that are thinking about buying and selling as well. So they're going to refer you. When you get a referral and go out on a listing appointment, typically they say, oh, so-and-so said you did a good job. So we're just going to go with you. So they're much easier deals. So don't neglect the, the first hundred people that you put into your database. Now, if your goal is to sell more than 10 houses, we need to get more people into our database. So let's talk about that, how we start adding people to our database. And then we'll talk about how we classify or qualify people as well. But we need to start figuring out that if I have 100 people and let's say my goal is to sell 30 homes in a year, well, I need to get to 300 people minimum as quickly as possible. So if I'm capped out and I only know 100, I need to start doing something else now to get people into my database. So different things that you can be doing are things like, for one, right now, open houses. Open houses are a great way to get face-to-face -face with people. And a lot of people are going through open houses. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. I mean, especially now more than when I started, like open houses are an excellent lead source for you because a lot of people that are out looking, especially this time of year, it might be the same scenario where they're not necessarily ready to buy like right here, right now. They could just be out looking and kind of wondering, especially with first time home buyers. If you're in an area where you know there are a lot of first time home buyers, those are awesome conversations to pick them up as buyers because they're coming in, they're looking at houses. And you can find out if they're already committed to working with an agent. Like that's the easiest, most low hanging fruit for a buyer that you're going to be able to pick up because they're already out there looking at houses. Yes, some people are just doing it for no reasons because they don't have any intention of buying, but that's your job is to kind of figure out that at the open house and then prioritize those people who come through. But from a pure numbers perspective, when you're looking at open houses, like in that short two hour period of time, you have a ton of opportunities to have really good conversations with people. And it's also excellent too, where um, like in certain areas where people already have a house that they need to sell, or if they're in a house that would be great for like downsizing, you can double side those deals very easily. So you can pick up the sell side on the listing that you'd be holding an open house for. You can pick up the buy side as a buyer to purchase that uh, open house that you're holding. And if they have a house that they need to sell, you can turn around and help set a listing conversation uh, with with that individual or, or you know group as well. Because that's the key is that you don't only want to try to sell that house that you're holding open. Because if that's not the right fit for them, that's okay. So then you have to be able to provide value from a standpoint of knowing what else is on the market in that area, using it as a leverage tool to create further conversations down the road. Like even if they say, yeah, you know, we don't know what our house is worth. That's a perfect opportunity for you to meet with them to talk about setting a listing appointment uh, at a later date as well, too. So I've actually started like with open houses, the success that I had even just in the past year was much better than when I first started because there are so many more people out looking at open houses right now. I agree with that. And if you have questions about open houses or want to learn how to do them better, go to our YouTube channel. Just type in my name, Michael Nettemeyer, and there's a recent training on open houses. I think it was two weeks ago. 
so you can get all the information on what we do to hold the house open to do a really effective open house. So open houses are one pillar. That's one pillar of getting more people added to your database because you're going to be meeting people and getting them to sign in. You're going to add them into your database. Another pillar could be something like internet leads. So, and think about this, we're going to run through a couple of quick pillars and that's not really the intention of this call today. It's just to get you thinking about how we can add people. We want to focus more on how we systematically follow up with each of these people to get more deals out of our database. Uh, but I'm going to go through a couple of pillars because you need to have multiple pillars to your business. And I talk about this a lot. If you think about it, think about the chair you're sitting in right now. You have four legs of the chair you're sitting in. If one leg gets kicked out and one pillar happen, goes away, what happens to your chair? It topples, right? If you have six legs to your chair and one gets kicked out, not the end of the world. So we need to have multiple pillars to our business. And the mistake most realtors make is they try to get multiple pillars immediately. It's okay in the beginning to have one or two very strong pillars and then add to it once you build systems around it. So don't feel like you need to go start doing all of this stuff right now, but we're gonna give you some suggestions and kind of think about what you gravitate toward and what you would like doing. One being your 100 people, meaning your SOI, that should be a pillar that is a non-negotiable. That's the first pillar you should start with. Those are people that already know you, like you, trust you, will do business with you. So that's the one pillar that you should not abandon. I did it all backward when I started, I focused on expired listings. And basically I was living in, in cold calling strangers essentially. And I didn't talk to anybody that, um, that I knew. And so I did it the hard way. Now, fortunately for me, I did it so much and I put in so much time and had tens of thousands of phone calls every single week that it worked out. Okay. But if you don't want to make that many phone calls and spend tons of time, just cold calling and getting berated on the phone and yelled at and everything else, then I would definitely focus on your database. And that's where my big mistake was. I didn't do that soon enough. So database being one, open houses, expired listings right now, how I built my business, there aren't that many of them. So think about that. That's one pillar that got kicked out, one leg that got kicked out, where if that was my only pillar of business, our business would be in trouble. So that's why I bring up the point of you have to have multiple pillars. And in the beginning, it's okay to only have one or two, but then you have to constantly be thinking about how do I add another strong pillar and not just have six kind of average or mediocre pillars, but how do I get to have five or six super strong pillars of business? So Internet leads. If you have a CRM, oftentimes, like for us, KV Core, you can generate internet leads at a very cost-effective price, a couple dollars a lead, two, three dollars a lead. Something I was telling actually Mandolin, who's on here, she's a new agent. Um, the challenge with internet leads is you have to sift through a lot of junk to get to the good ones. So it's a numbers game. But as long as you know that you're, you're, you're shooting for, at best case, about 5% conversion, you're not going to worry so much about the 90 leads that came in to only get five really good ones and five decent ones. Like, you know, that's, we're shooting for five to 10% tops here. So don't worry about that. But internet leads, circle calls, door knocking, circle calls, calling around neighborhoods when you had success, if, if you sold a house and went for over asking or sold quickly, call your neighbors, add to it. That's how we built a lot of our business, isn't it, Jeff? That's exactly right. And so that's how you're going to get the most amount of people into your database as quickly as possible too. Because the reality is like, you can call anywhere. Any area is good for circle prospecting. It's all about how are you creating conversations, talking to people, and once you increase your contact rate, so the number of people that you're actually talking to, the better your chances are of getting them as a nurturer, as someone that is going to buy or sell a house in the next one year, the next two years, the next whatever their time frame actually is, and then you can put them in your database to follow up. So if you're struggling with talking or finding people that you can get into your database so that you can follow up with more people. Circle prospecting is going to be the way to go for that because you're increasing the amount of people that you're talking to 
on a very consistent basis. And like for us, because we use a three line dialer, we're able to talk and have a lot of conversations hourly. And based off of our hourly conversations, the more time that you put into doing it, the more people that you will talk to, the more people that you talk to, the better chances you have of talking to someone that could be a nurturer and that you can set an appointment with. So from that perspective, it's all a numbers game. You're, you're never, you will literally never run out of people that you can talk to. Uh, and people answer the phone all different times throughout the day, uh, throughout the afternoon, throughout the evening, throughout the weekdays, throughout the weekends, you will always have people to talk to. And that was what I liked the most about it is because if I wanted to talk to people, I knew I could get on the phones. I knew I could do circle prospecting. Someone somewhere would answer the phone and we could have a conversation about real estate. Yeah. So that's the key is you have to have conversations about real estate. Now, keep in mind, when you're starting to do a lot of outbound lead generation, you want to set some uh, protocols in place like scrub against do not call list, things like that. So there are companies and services that will will provide for that, that will scrub against. So we make sure we do a lot of that. So we're not calling people in violation of that. That's just a quick little tip. So you don't get in trouble. So make sure you are doing that. Um, the other thing would be with circle prospecting, you're calling around to your, to your point, it's a high frequency where our goal here is to talk to a lot of people and you're going to get a lot of no's, a lot of people that aren't interested. You're also going to get some yeses. Here's what we know. 2% of sales are made on the first phone call. So I need to go talk to a hundred people essentially to get two potential people to want to meet with me. And that's if I'm good at my scripts. If I'm bad at my scripts, you're probably like 1% or even less than 1%. All right. So if I'm good at knowing what I'm saying, and that's why we emphasize the script practice so much to really get good, because the key is you have to, you have to know what to say. You have to have enough people to say it to, and you have to say it enough times. And if you do that, you're going to succeed in this business. And if you don't practice your scripts, you're practicing while you're making live calls, which means you're, you're on an uphill battle and it's going to take way longer to convert. So we're going to start diving in. So those are just some strategies right there. And there's a lot of other ones as well. You can do farming, you can do all of that stuff, which takes longer. I like picking up the phone and calling people because it's the fastest way I can get in front of people. Same with door knocking. If I can get face-to-face with somebody in open houses, get face-to-face, I'm one step further now than I was if I made a phone call. Because if I made a phone call, now I have to build trust over the phone and convince them for me to come out. If I'm already face-to-face with people, I can build that trust a lot quicker and get to the get to the end result a lot faster than I can making phone calls or sending a mailer or a text message. So a lot of pillars and ways to build your business. But let's talk about now, Jeff, when we're talking to people, whether it's an open house, whether it's door knocking, whether it's an internet lead, whether it's a circle prospecting call, let's talk about how we classify people in our database and then how we follow up. So we classify hot nurture watch, correct? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the most important thing that you have to figure out is what their time frame is. Because that's how you're going to, if you've got a room full of 10 people, who are you going to prioritize? You're going to prioritize the person that wants to move, who wants to buy, who wants to sell first. So that's the most important question is what is their time frame and figuring that out. And that's what, if you don't know time frame, you are in a, immediately in an uphill battle because it doesn't allow you to understand how frequently you should be following up with this person, as well as if they're ready to go right now chances are you're not the only person that they could be coming across that is talking to them about real estate. So definitely time frame is first. Agreed. So we find out the time frame, and then we're going to classify based on what we call hot nurture watch. We have hot one, we break it down a little bit more, but essentially in a ballpark here or just a rough hot is somebody that's looking to do something about 90 days or sooner, correct? Right. We call it hot one, hot two. So we go a little bit deeper, but just to make this easy, do hot nurture watch 90 days or sooner. These are all of our hot people that we're following up with almost every single week. So we have a workflow in place. They go into our CRM with notes. They express an interest either want to buy a home or sell a home in the next 90 days or sooner. And we're following up almost weekly with these people to see when we can get in front of them. 
to either have a buyer consultation or a listing presentation. So within our CRM, we've got triggers set up that will alert us to call them every single week. In addition to that, if they're a buyer, we have a home search set up for them. So they're getting homes automatically sent to them. If they're a seller, we have them on a market report, which is sending them market data for their neighborhood to show them what their home is worth. That's all done through the CRM. So it's very little effort on our part. All we have to do is have the conversation, put them into our CRM, make sure they're in our CRM, their status correctly with the smart campaign, the workflow, and then do our follow-ups when we're supposed to. So we're following up weekly with those people, Jeff, and those conversations typically look the same. Would you agree? They definitely do, especially to like for circle prospecting. If you're doing a lot of circle calls, those folks are not expecting your phone call. So the reality is that you're typically not always going to find someone that's ready to go in the next 30 days. Like that's usually someone that's further along. So those types of people are going to be at the open houses. Those would be people that you're right in front of and you're like, hey, this person needs to buy and I can help them right now. Now, sometimes you will have people that are having conversations with on the phone that are within the next 90 days. That would be in the next three months, basically. So that would be a situation where they say, yeah, by the end of summer, I want to make a move. I don't know where I might go yet, but I want to make a move. That 100% is an opportunity for you to set an appointment with. And the really cool thing is that even if you're talking to someone that's maybe six months out, they say, yeah, by the end of the year, or that would put them into like October, quarter four right now, by the end of the year, I want to make a move. That's still someone that you can try to set an appointment with right now. And then you'll consistently follow up with them leading up to the point in time when they're ready to actually make that move. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned over the years is that just because someone is not ready to sell within the next month or not ready to sell in the next three months, like still try to set the appointment. And in the very beginning, I just kind of brushed them off. It's like, okay, cool. I'll follow up with you later on down the road. But what I've been doing lately, like over the last probably two years is uh, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, I would love to come by, give you an idea of what your home would sell for in the current market. And I'll keep you updated on how things change month over month leading up to your time frame in October. And it's really successful because it's super low barrier to entry. We're not really going for trying to get their listing on the market right here, right now. But the reality is, is that it's the easiest follow-ups for you to make in your database. If you are the one and you're the only one typically that has met with them six months prior to when they're looking to make a move. So then it's on you from that point. If you're following up with them monthly and you're giving them an update on what homes are selling for in the area, you're giving them an update on what their home would be worth. If anything's changed comparable wise, like you are their go-to expert agent and you are the one that's being very proactive leading up to the point in time that they're looking to sell. And so honestly, it's gotten a lot easier on the phones when you take that perspective of things because you're not trying to rush and only find the people that are ready in the next 30 days or the next 90 days. You're setting appointments with people that might be six months out, they might be a year out, who knows? But the key there is that there is never a bad time to set an appointment with someone to get in front of them just to have a conversation about real estate because then all you have to do is make very easy conversational calls leading up to that point in time, whether they're 90 days out, whether they're six months out or 12 months out, you're literally giving them a call, checking in, you're acknowledging what their time frame is. So, hey, last time we talked, you said you were looking to move by the end of the year. Is that still the case or have things changed? And then you get their answer from that. Okay, great. I just wanted to give you an update. There was one other house that hit the market that's comparable to yours in your neighborhood. It sold for whatever price, or if it hasn't sold yet, it's been on the market for five days, I'll keep you updated and follow up with you when that goes under contract and then when it sells. Easy, like you literally just have to look at that person, look at their neighborhood, look at what's selling around them. And those calls 
basically script themselves because you're literally just giving an update. You're not pitching, you're not selling, you're not forcing, you're not pressuring, you're giving a call and giving an update. And that's one thing that I've definitely learned to do much better than when I started. And for anybody that's, you know, getting into circle prospecting and calls, use that perspective, like set appointments with people that are six months out because it will be the easiest sale six months down the line when that time frame comes. The key is you have to be in this for the long run. You can't quit quit after after three or four months of doing it. Yeah, that's the big thing is you have to hang in there. So it's made a lot of good points right there. And that's where follow-up, 70% of your business is going to come from follow-up. So for me, back in the day, when I lived on the 2%, you got to talk to a ton of people. After six months or a year, I realized that following up with people systematically can lead to a much faster result and a much bigger business. So you have to be able to have a follow-up system in place. So what Jeff just talked about there, go back to like our HOTS, we're following up almost every week, we're checking in. And the call is the same. Just want to check in. I know when we spoke last week, you said you're about a month out from wanting to purchase. I want to make sure you're getting the homes I'm sending. Or if they're a seller, I want to make sure you're receiving the market report I'm sending. Do you have any questions? Has anything changed with your time frame? Would you like, and then, and then go for the appointment if they answer. Now, for people that are a little bit further out, now it's a little bit easier to set appointments with people that are ready to go. If they're a month out, that's a conversation where we need to set it. It sounds like we should meet. I'd like to sit down with you and fully understand what's important to you in your next home. That way I can start previewing homes on your behalf and eliminate homes that don't match any, you know, don't match your criteria. Therefore, I can save a lot of your time. So we're not spending time looking at homes that don't match exactly what you're looking for. There's a lot of scripts around this and we have a whole scripting section. You can, you can, you know, touch out, reach out and we'll help you with, but you need to be following up. So if they're a little bit further out that Jeff mentioned, it's literally the same conversation. It's one, it's, so if somebody's a nurture watch, let's just say they're six months to a year out and we'll just use six months, for example. I want to have that conversation today and they're a seller. I'm going to set them up on a market report or a buyer. I would set them up on a home search. And then I'm going to follow up. I want to follow up within a week to make sure they're receiving the homes I'm sending and also receiving the market report that I sent. So the conversation is simple. Hey, Jeff, it's Michael. Just wanted to check in. I know you said you're about six months out from wanting to buy a home. I just wanted to make sure you're receiving the homes I'm sending. And also if you need to make any, if I need to make any changes to that home search. That's the script. I didn't ask him. I acknowledge the time frame because I'm not going to call him and be like, hey, man, just want to see if you're ready to go. Well, no, you idiot. I told you you're six months out, right? So acknowledge the time frame. I heard you. I listened. I took good notes. I know you're six months out. I just want to make sure you're getting the information I sent. Do you have any questions? Do you want me to make any changes? 30 days later, I'm going to make the same exact phone call with the same exact script. And I'm going to do that every single month until they say, yep, we're ready to go. So here's the thing. A lot of times they're not going to answer the phone. So these are going to be voicemails. So I'm going to give you an example. We had an example of a guy that I talked to. This is a long time ago, but I talked to him. He said, yeah, we're, we're a couple of years out. Fantastic. I got some information. He wanted to buy a house. Information. I put him on a home search. I follow up with him every 30 days. He didn't answer the phone for nine months. So I left a short little voicemail. Just want to check in, make sure you're receiving the homes I'm sending. Want to know if you want me to make any changes to that home search. I know from my CRM, he's looking at the houses but I'm also just leaving a quick little voicemail and that tiny voicemail. So I left nine of them over nine months at month nine. He answered. He's like, Oh, we're thinking about maybe relocating out of the country. I don't know what we're doing. Totally understand. Hey, I'm here for you. If you decide to make a move locally. Um, and I can also help you find an agent in out of the country. If you decide that's what you want to do. Great. We have a conversation. Continue to follow up with them for another eight, nine months, something like that. He never answers the phone. I leave eight or nine more voicemails. Finally, like month, I think it was like 18, 19. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. He answered the phone and said, hey, Mike, thanks for staying in touch. Yes, we're ready to go buy a house. 
So there we go. I talked to him three times over almost two year period and left a ton of voicemails, just one a month, same exact voicemail. It took me about seven minutes of effort over the course of two years to turn that into a, a sale that was worth eight or $10,000, whatever it is. The point to my story there is you have to follow up. And if you're going to, if you're going to be prepared to follow up every single month for the next one year, two years, five years, seven years, or however long it takes for them to want to buy or sell a house, you're going to succeed when other people won't because not everyone else is going to hang in there and do that kind of follow-up. And I could be like, Oh my God, I followed up with it for two years or this or that. But what did I really do over two years? I left a handful of voicemails and I talked to him three times. It was the easiest sale ever. If you think about it, that's what we have to be prepared to do with a lot of these follow-ups is just have that system in place. And it's just a workflow. And all I do is I log into my CRM. That's another thing. Log in every day to your CRM and look at who do I need to call today? And if you're taking good notes and making the calls when you're supposed to, not letting them just get like an abundance of overdue follow-ups, because I think that's what happens to a lot of people as well. And you can probably attest to this, Jeff, because I know you see it as well. People will they'll not log in for a week or two weeks or three weeks. Then they log in, they have 500 overdue tasks. They're not going to call 500 overdue tasks. So what do they do? They just start clicking them off. And they miss that opportunity where out of those 500 overdue tasks, the chances are there are a couple of people that were ready to buy or sell a house. We call through a lot now. We have a pretty good follow-up system and it's not perfect. And I don't know that it'll ever be perfect. We call a lot of lists. We call a lot of people, not lists, but a lot of people that were, um, have kind of fallen through the cracks a little bit. And you'd be amazed at how many conversations we have with people that say, oh, we just closed on a house last week. We just listed our house. Oh, we're under contract right now. Oh no, we moved three months ago. There's so much. I mean, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost commissions just because we didn't do a good enough job of following up. And now we're constantly improving, but people still fall to the cracks. So that's very important that you get a follow-up system in place that you can systematically stay in touch with people. Any thoughts? I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's a really good point to make, especially about people that we followed up with that said like, oh, we just bought a house or, oh, we bought a house three months ago. A lot of times in those lists that were, when that lead, like the very first time, when that lead first came to the website, we had our first conversation, it's not out of the ordinary for people to have been in that list from a year prior. And then when we follow up like a year later, or even two years later, three years later, those people are just now buying or they just bought two or three months ago. That's that what that tells the whole story right there is that if a lead comes to the website, they might be nine months out, they might be 12 months out. But at some point in time, they are going to buy a house. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, not a matter of if they are going to buy a house. It's a matter of when are they buying that house and with who are they buying that house. And those are the two key things. You want it to be with you and you want to be the one that knows what their time frame is so that you can consistently follow up with them month over month. Yeah. If you're the person following up every single month, they're going to work with you. Guaranteed. They're going to say, I appreciate it. They're going to say, yeah, thanks for staying in touch. And, and just get used to the fact that they're probably not going to answer the phone until they're ready. And that's okay. So a lot of people get a mental block too. They're like, well, I called them four times. They didn't, they haven't returned my call and they give up. Well, 82% of sales come from the fifth to 12th contact. So you have to be prepared to call them at least 12 times. And when they're ready, they're going to answer. So don't stop. Cause here's the thing. They're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about a house right now if they're a year out and that's okay. They're not supposed to be. And we need to keep following up and leave that voicemail every single time. Acknowledge time frame. I know you said you're a year out when we spoke last. Just want to make sure you're getting the houses I'm receiving. Or just want to make sure you're receiving the market report I'm sending. Has anything changed with your time frame? Give me a call back. That's it. They're not going to call you back. And that's okay. They're not supposed to because they're not ready. You're going to call them again the following month. 
same exact conversation, same exact voicemail or conversation. Call them again, 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 again. Month 11, they'll answer and say, yep, we're ready to go. Come on out or let's go look at houses. Yeah, seriously, like that right there is the most important thing because I hear it all the time. Like, oh, they haven't answered the phone or, oh, I can't get in touch with them or I can't reconnect with them after having this first initial conversation. And that's why, too, if you don't know what their time frame is on the very first call, you're already at a disadvantage because you don't know when they're going to be doing something. So that's why I always try to get time frame figured out in the very beginning, because at least you have that to go off of. And then, again, it's okay because I remember the very first time that um, I had a circle prospecting lead convert into a buyer. They actually said that they were renting. So I talked to them. They said that they were renting. They were in a lease for, I think, another you know, 10 months because they had just signed the lease. So they weren't ready to do anything yet. So I put them into the database, was following up with them, never answered the phone, but was sending the automated uh, searches to, for houses that they were looking at in the area. They emailed me back and they said, well, we, we were actually looking at this new construction. We fell in love with it. You know, they had time to build a new construction house because they were in a lease for nine more months. And that was the first time that I sold new construction and the first time that I sold a, a circle prospecting lead something who the initial conversation started with, yeah, we're just renting for another year. Mm -hmm. So never discount anyone. The key is that you're consistently following up in some way, shape or form, whether that's through phone calls, whether that's through sending houses, because when they're ready, if you are the one that's doing the follow up with them, they'll call you, they'll reach out right back to you when they're ready. So don't be discouraged by them not answering the phone or them not responding because they see it, they see you reaching out, they see the phone call, they see the emails coming through, they see the searches coming through, but they will ignore it until they are ready. Yeah, great point. So the old school way of following up to is whatever they tell you their time frame is a year, cut it in half and follow up to them in six months. It doesn't work because if you wait six months to follow up with them, they're not gonna remember who you are, for one, they're not gonna remember the conversation you had. And chances are when they do answer at six months, they're gonna say, yep, we just sold our house or we just bought a house happens all the time. That's why we shift to, if they're hot, somebody hot, I want to follow up every week. Call, 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 stay in touch. Are you getting the houses I'm sending? You want to make any changes? Hey, here's a property that just hit the market. I think it would be a good fit for you. You want to go take a look at it. Here's a house that just sold in your neighborhood. Here's a house that just went up on the market in your neighborhood. Here's one that just went pending in your neighborhood. These are all little conversations you've been having with them every single week to give you a reason to call them. Right? And if they're further out, I'm calling every 30 days. And it's just my simple script every 30 days because now I'm solidifying my name with them. They're getting my emails, they're getting my voicemails, they're getting my text messages. And when they're ready to do something, they're gonna be the, you're gonna be the person they work with. It's just a matter of committing to a process. So one, build your process out in your CRM. And it's simple. It's setting up 12 reminders to call them every month. That's it. If that's all you did for your follow-up was just call them every month, you will have significantly more business than the bulk of the people out there that won't even make a follow-up call. It's all you have to do. Just commit to calling them every single month or if they're super motivated, call them every week until they agree to come meet with you. That's it. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just people don't do it. Right? It it's is. All. It's a matter of taking action. There's nothing like revolutionary or hard to figure out. It's a matter of did you call them and did you stay in contact with them or not? And most of the time it's the or not part that yeah. makes you lose out on sales. It's because everyone wants like the, the, the email that's going to get the best response rate or they want the, the text message that's going to generate the response or they want, they want the easy button. When
are. It's not easy either. either. It's just, and that's it. Exactly. There's no silver, but if it really worked, they would be doing it in their business. So they would be doing it like they'd have a huge real estate team. Most of the people that sell stuff don't have a real estate team. They don't, they don't sell real estate. They just sell products. So keep that in mind. The secret to success here is being consistent. And if you can commit to being consistently staying in touch with every single person in your database, you will have a massive business. Now, it won't happen overnight, but every month you're going to pick up, you're going to move people along in the process. And that's what we're constantly looking to do. If somebody's 12 months out, now they're 11 months out. Now they're 10 months out. Oh, hey, you know what? They just shifted the time frame up. Now they're only five months out. Right. So, so it's, we're constantly looking at the people that how do we keep moving people like moving the needle, keep moving people closer to the process of wanting to buy or sell a house. And if you're the person that stays in touch with them constantly, they're going to work with you. Cause oftentimes people will be like, well, I don't want to bother on this or that. It's the same way. Like I used to have the mindset around your database after you sold somebody a house, I had a very limited mindset around that because I would think that, okay, I just sold them a house. I don't want to bother them now. When if you think about it, especially if they're a buyer, you spent all this time with them. You spent 30, 60, 90 days with them. You got to meet their family. You met their kids. You probably met their parents. You, you, you talk to them almost every day for three months. Then you go close on a house. Then you never call them again. You got paid. You never call them again. So how do they feel? They feel like a transaction team. So it's shifting your mindset around this and knowing that it's building a relationship. It's strengthening a relationship and staying in touch with past clients is super important. It's one thing people aren't good at either. There's a staggering statistic. It's something like 87% of people say they would use their realtor again and only like 11% do. I'm butchering those numbers. Mm -hmm. but it's something where people were happy with the real estate agents and stayed in touch. So super nasty thunderstorm out there. So our internet connection is bad. Um, yeah. I think it froze up there for a minute. Yeah. So yeah, anything, I'm back now. Anything else to add there? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing is like, don't, yeah, don't quit, be consistent and like get out of your own way. Just make the phone call. Don't have any mental blocks behind it dial the number or have the auto dialer dial the number for you and have the conversations. That's the biggest thing that I would say. It's like, no matter what, don't make excuses. Don't fall, try your best not to fall behind. Inevitably, yes, it will happen. But the key is to like, know that you're falling behind so that you can get back on track as soon as possible. Absolutely. I agree. Hope that helps. If you have questions, uh, shoot us an email, drop it in Facebook, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Cool. See ya. See ya, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah.